we will be in Psalm 91. Um, if you're familiar with Psalm 91, it is uh, extremely relevant and um, pertinent to how we, uh, how, what we're facing right now in the year 2020 and maybe what we're facing uh, going beyond 2020. Uh, so applicable. Um, last night, we had a sweet, uh, a sweet Bible study in, in, in the men's fellowship. Uh, last night, we're in Ephesians, and, and Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. And I really do believe Psalm 91 gets to that, the heart of that phrase, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Psalm 91 is, is such a, a call to get near to God, stay close to God within the shadow of the Almighty, um, to have that nearness and that closeness. And then as a result, as we fall in love, not just with his goodness and his grace and his mercy and all the, the love that God has for us, but his precepts and his, and his principles um, for righteousness, all of these blessings now pour forth into our lives, and they're supernatural. When, you, when we go through Psalm 91, you will see these supernatural blessings, um, and, and, they're, and they're really hard to explain, and it's all part of God's sovereignty, and it's all part of his decision. He gets to make those choices, not us. So to try to explain them away as coincidence, or try to uh, claim them in, in a certain, uh, maybe in, inappropriate way, it's all about God's promise and, and his, in his sovereignty. So the psalmist articulates this in such a beautiful way. And uh, in the, at the moment, we're facing pestilence, pervasive evil and wickedness, uh, an, an attack on the church uh, in America like we really never have seen before. So many churches are still closed, um, not able to open up their doors. And so I think this is a time more now than ever to, to look into Psalm 91 and, and really draw strength from it. So we will begin Psalm 91 verses 1 through 4 to get started. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, probably a better translation of shelter is secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. So the, the psalmist starts out with a call to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And so a lot of us, uh, we have our, our corporate worship. We, we come to church on Wednesdays, Sundays. We might have a midweek Bible study also in there. We might be a, belong to a, a life group. So we, we are not to forsake the gathering of the brethren. We, we have our corporate worship times. And, and, and that might take up a, a portion of our walk with the Lord. But as we dwell, as we live with God... Those secret places, that, that's, that still small uh, place, your, your prayer closet, maybe it's your bedroom, maybe it's an office. You get alone with God and you have those sweet, intimate times where you can draw near to him and pour out your heart and really hear from him. And so as we dwell in the secret place, we abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And that shadow implies nearness. You know, when I, uh, I take my dog for a walk most every day, and in the cool of the evening, and when the sun's low, the shadows are long. And in the heat of the day, like today, you want to be closer to that tree or whatever that's uh, casting that shadow. But when that sun is high, the shadow's not very long. It's, 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 it's very short. And so much in our lives, when, when season is hot and, 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 the, and life bears down on us, all the more reason to get closer to the cross, to get into the shadow of the cross and be close to the Lord and have those sweet, intimate times. Um, 
You know, sometimes we can drift away when things are good. In the cool of the day, right, when, when things are, are comfortable and the air is, is nice and, and calm, uh, we can drift away a little bit. And, and at that time, we feel like we're still in the shadow of the cross because nothing's really going on that is, is giving us any adversity or challenge. But really, when, when, that, when that heat of the day comes and we find ourselves a little bit outside of that shadow, that's when we can get fearful. And we'll, we'll see the call to action of not being fearful in this psalm a little bit later on. But why, why drift away? Stay in that secret small place. Continue to have your quiet times with the Lord. Continue to draw near to him in those intimate times so he can speak to you. So when the adversity comes, you're in the shadow of the cross. You're, you're near him and you can hear his voice. He says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse two, I just looked at my, 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 my refuge, my fortress, my God. He is pouring out praise to his God. As a result of drawing near and being intimate with his Lord, with his God, uh, the psalmist is crying out, my refuge and my fortress, in my God in whom I trust. In so many other things in this world, man puts his trust in his bank account. Man puts his trust in his 401k. Man puts his trust in his investments or his job or something else that will bring him some form of false security. The psalmist is saying the, the real refuge, the real fortress, the real protection is our God in whom I trust. Putting your trust anywhere else is going to fail. It's going to, at best, bring you a temporary source of security. And those securities are, are, are just uh, a fool's gold, really. Um, bring, putting your faith and trust in God, being he's your refuge, he's your fortress, in whom it is in whom he we trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. That word trapper can also be uh, translated fowler or a bird, uh, someone who snares, professionally snares birds. And so when, when you look at uh, how a, a bird is completely helpless and defenseless to a fowler or uh, to a, profession, a professional uh, trapper of birds, um, you, can, you can understand why the, the psalmist is saying, um, it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. One of the things that we're facing right now is, is deadly pestilence, excuse me. And the, the fear that comes about um, when numbers are being reported of deaths, of cases, of COVID-19, this pestilence that has been kind of ravaging our country and the world for the last six, eight months has put really our lives on hold, kind of turned our world upside down. And it can bring a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. It can cause a lot of of damage within uh, personal lives and and professional lives. And we're not quite sure where to go. And, And like a defenseless bird, we can be trapped. We can be ensnared by this. And Jeremiah, in 526, last time I was able to share with you, Jeremiah was, uh, we were speaking, uh, teaching out of Jeremiah in 11 and 12, and, and if you remember, his own uh, people from Anathoth had uh, devised a scheme, devised a plot against his life, and God supernaturally gave him a word of knowledge and, and informed him of that. And in Jeremiah 526, earlier in the book of Jeremiah, it says, for wicked men are found among my people. They watch like fowlers lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. And so 
as Christians, as those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who stand for God's principles and for his truth, there will be times when we will be put in positions where it will feel like we're in a trap. We're going to be asked questions that might have uh, put us in a bad light with a particular answer. We might be put in positions where we feel we might have to compromise if we don't do what is expected of us at that particular time. And so like a bird, like, like a bird set unto a trap, uh, they watch like fowlers lying in wait, they set a trap. But God will deliver you from the evil one. He is your deliverer. It says for, in verse 3, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper. God will deliver you. You will have discernment. You might even get a word of knowledge. You might have somebody in your life give you a a word of knowledge or a word of direction to get you out of that situation. The psalmist continues that word picture after that by saying, verse four, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. So going along with that same word picture, if if we are defenseless like a bird uh, before a fowler, the Lord is so good. He said, you know, I'm going to put you under my feathers. I'm going, you to, I'm going to put you under the protection of my wings where you can't be touched, where you can't be harmed, where you can't be trapped. And Jesus in, in Matthew 23 was lamenting over Jerusalem. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to her. How I often wanted, Jesus wanted so desperately. It was the desire of his heart. I wanted to gather you children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Jesus had the same word picture over Jerusalem. They've stoned the prophets. They've rejected, they've rejected the very Messiah, right? And he just wanted to gather his people underneath his wings into, into a safe place, yet they were unwilling. Again, showing that, yes, God has a, a desire to love his people and to bring them into a, a place of, of intimacy and protection, yet it, we have to be willing. We have to be the ones to come to the table and come to the cross and, and have those intimate times as the psalmist was imploring us to do in, in verses one and, and two. So dwell in the secret place, abide in the shadow of the Almighty, and then we can come under the pinions and the wings of the Almighty God. He will deliver us in those moments. Uh, again, getting back to uh, that deadly pestilence, I, I, I go back to God being our shield and our bulwark. Bulwark is a wall or a barricade. You know, when, when, this, um, when this virus kind of came out and it, and, and it really came to the forefront, um, my wife uh, just had this, um, had this word from the Lord. She, she said, you know, Chris, I, I heard from the, the Lord that this virus is not going to touch our home or our family. And it was such a, a wonderful, comforting thing. Um, and it spoke to my heart. And it really was uh, something that my spirit bore witness to. And as a result, we really tried uh, really hard not to, to, to honor the things that we, we are to do in terms of wearing a mask and, and, and being respectful of that, but not being fearful. Um, the Lord in, in here is, is, is a shield. He's our bulwark. He is our, our, our strong wall. And, and it's not a wall that divides, it's a wall that protects. Many of us might live in a gated community, you might have a wall around your house or fencing around your house. It's not necessarily to divide you or separate you from the people uh, that you live amongst. It's, it's for protection. And so the Lord is our protection in this time. And even when this pestilence is out there, he is our, our bulwark, he is our shield. So I've taken great comfort personally in this verse regarding the pandemic situation as a result of, of the word that, that my wife received and, and standing on that. Uh, unfortunately, um, if, you, if you're not serving the Lord and if you're not uh, in, a, in, in a relationship with him, you, you might just be uh, lip service, paying lip service to him, or you might even be somebody who's, who's mad at God and, and, and don't believe in him at all. You know, trying to believe in a politician or trying to believe in an expert or a doctor um, 
they're all over the place with, with uh, what the current state of affairs are. And as a result, like I said, uncertainty and fear creeps in and you really don't have anywhere to go. You don't have the shield or the, or the wall, the, the, the bulwark to, to hide behind or to get under the wings of, of your father. It, 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 it's a frightening thing. I don't know how people, I, you can see how people turn to drugs, alcohol, uh, that they're depressed. They don't have a place to go to, to cry out to God and, and have this sort of protection. They're out there exposed and completely hurting. And so now more than ever, I think it's a time that we as, as Christians, our countenance, our walk can be such an example and such a light, and it can be such a, a, a conversation starter. And I don't know if I shared with you, but I had a conversation with a young man who, who came to my house to get me to switch over from uh, Spectrum to Frontier, and he asked me about COVID. And I started asking him, well, what, what do you think will happen when you die if, if you unfortunately contracted this, uh, this virus and, and unfortunately passed away? What do you think happened? We got into a complete conversation. It was a complete open door. He wound up receiving the Lord, praise God. But it was just that open door at that time, and he, he, didn't, he didn't have any hope, and he was scared. And he was out there canvassing the neighborhood just trying to do his job and get people to switch over from one carrier to another. Little did he know he switched over from, <laughs> from one kingdom to another. <laughs> so such, such a sweet thing, but praise God. So moving on, verse 5. Take another quick drink. Verse 5. I would highlight underline, circle, star, whatever you need to do, verse 5, you will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day. I really dwelt on this, this verse this morning as I, as I was kind of pouring over this psalm. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of a sound mind. When we are fearful, we have no power. When we are fearful, we are unable to love. When we are fearful, we have no way to rational, make rational decisions, uh, to have a sound mind, to be, to be complete in our thinking, um, to be rational and reasonable in our thought process. You know, the power that, that 2 Timothy speaks of, that Paul speaks of to sec, in 2 Timothy is, is a dunamis power. It, we get the word dynamite from it. It's explosive. Uh, it, it, ha, it has an inherent power to it. Um, and so we're powerless when we are gripped with fear. When, we, when we're gripped with fear, we're paralyzed in, in the spirit. And fear essentially is the absence of faith. You're, you're, you're telling God that if it, it's a natural thing to be fear or have a response of fear, but to remain in that state of fear is telling God, you know um, this situation is too big for you. This situation is something that maybe caught you by surprise and, 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 and that you don't know a way out. And so I'm gonna stay in this, in this, in this state of fear and not put my faith and trust in you that you're going you're gonna, to uh, pull me through this particular situation. Um, the love that's spoken of here, too, is, is the agape love. And the agape love is the highest form of love. It's a love that acts on another's behalf solely uh, for the benefit of the other without expecting anything in return. When I'm fearful, I'm really about myself. I'm really getting into what I want, what I need, what I can and can't do. I don't have the ability or the capacity to love anybody in, in the way that, that 2 Timothy reads. And again, my rationality and my ability to reason, my ability to make sound judgments, my, my sound mind goes, goes out the window. And I'm going to react out of emotion. I'm, I might make decisions that I might not otherwise make because I'm gripped with fear. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So when I am gripped with fear, 
The prayer is not for maybe more courage or more boldness. It's for more love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so when, when uh, Ray Comfort was, was sharing here one, uh, one Saturday night, when he said that, the light bulb went on for me. And I, I, it was, there was so much wisdom in that. When I am gripped with fear, I pray for more love. The natural inclination would be to pray for more courage, right? To pray for more boldness, to pray for more uh, 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 something that would counteract the fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And once I'm able to love, then I, I, can, I can then act in, in faith. Acts 16, 25, 26 um, gives us a depiction of acting in faith in the midst of, uh, notice, you will not be afraid of the terror by night. Well, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise uh, to God, and it was about midnight, by the way. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. And so Paul and Silas, at midnight, were not gripped by terror, were not afraid. They got into that secret place. They got into the shadow of the Almighty. They began praying and singing hymns. A supernatural uh, deliverance occurred. Just as Psalm 91 promises, God, Paul and Silas had work to do. There was God, in God's sovereignty, he delivered them out of that prison so they could continue the spreading of the gospel uh, throughout that region. And so, again, Psalm 91 speaks to that very, that very uh, situation. As we are in our calling, if we have work to do and, and, and we have not fulfilled our mission and our purpose, God in his sovereignty will see us through these, these trials, these tribulations, and, and be uh, our deliverer. Verse 6, uh, verse 6, there we go, um, you will not be afraid, but verse 5, you will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, uh, of the pestilence that stalks or walks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. So the back half of verse 5, uh, uh, looking at the arrow that flies by day, my mind immediately went to Ephesians 6, the full armor of God, right? When we, the opposite of fear is faith. And so when you go to the full armor of God, uh, Ephesians 6.16 says, in addition to all, and he means the other pieces of armor, taking up the shield of faith. And when we have the shield of faith, it will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, of the evil ones. The evil one is going to take aim at you with his, his fiery arrows. And the shield of faith will allow us to extinguish those, those, uh, those arrows, even if they're arrows that fly in the middle of the day. Every now and then you, you get something that just, it's aimed at and targeted at a place in your uh, life that is, can leverage you, that can exploit your weakness. Um, the enemy knows exactly where to aim. The shield of faith will extinguish those fiery arrows. And when we choose to give in to fear, again, we forfeit the fight. We forfeit and we choose to, to believe that uh, we don't have um, any, any form of victory or any way for victory. Um, so Paul and Silas, when they were jailed, they, did, they didn't, they didn't uh, give in. When they began to sing praises, that's when the victory, that's when the victory occurred. When Psalm starts getting into a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, um, but it shall not approach you. I immediately started to think of when, uh, when Israel was supernaturally brought out of uh, out of Egypt. 
You know, Israel was groaning in bondage as a, as a catalyst. As a, Israel was groaning in bondage, and that catalyzed God to, to then um, move on their behalf. In Exodus 6.1, God says to Moses, Now you shall see what I do to Pharaoh. And he began to uh, uh, proceed to send plagues and pestilence and infestations. And the final plague was the death of the firstborn. And so in Exodus 11, 4 through 5, Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. And verse 7 says, But against any of the sons of Israel a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So Israel was supernaturally protected. Thousands were falling, maybe even 10,000s were falling. The firstborn of Egypt was, were dying. Israel told to put blood over, over the doorpost. The angel of death passed over. Nobody, nobody, no, none of the firstborn of Israel died. They were safe at night. And by the way, the, the, the angel of death came by, came by night. Egypt were the, you know, the Egyptians were the ones that, that experienced the thousands falling. And then when you look at Egypt um, pursuing Israel, it looks like Israel is stuck between the wilderness and the Red Sea. Miraculously through Moses, uh, God parts the Red Sea. They pass through on dry land. The Egyptians, uh, Pharaoh pursues them hotly behind them. The entire Egyptian army, 10,000s fall, thousands upon thousands fall. Not a hair is removed from, from any of the Israelites. They were supernaturally delivered. And so, again, getting back to Psalm 91 7, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. But you will look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. None of the plagues came near the tent of Israel during that time. They were supernaturally delivered. Egypt, the, the, the wicked Egyptians were the ones that, that took the fall. Verse, uh, verses 7 through 10, so, so poignantly depicted through uh, the deliverance of Israel through, uh, from Egypt. Moving on, verse 11. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Verse 13. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and serpent. You will trample down. Many of you uh, Bible students will recognize verses 11 and 12. When Jesus was in the, um, was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, he was fasting. And on that 40th night, the devil came and he tempted him three different times and all three times he quoted scripture and all three times Jesus refuted that scripture with scripture. And the devil knows the scripture. The evil one knows the scripture inside and out, but he knows how to twist it. He knows how to misuse it. He knows how to leave out certain portions or omit certain portions to change the meaning to maybe justify the temptation that he's putting before you, to justify the entering into that temptation. And so Jesus was very, very quick to refute scripture with scripture and it's so important to know the whole counsel of God to study the word of God and show yourself approved because when those times come when you're tempted and maybe those scriptures are coming along with that temptation to justify entering into that temptation you need to know the scriptures and so if you do look at Matthew 4 6 
Matthew 4, 6 says, Then the devil, devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, and here it is, He will command his angels concerning you. But he left out, if you look back at Psalm 11, he left out to guard you in all your ways. The devil purposely omitted that phrase because Jesus' way would not be to tempt his father. Jesus' way would not be to wantonly uh, climb up to the pinnacle of a temple and throw himself down to prove that he was God. The Lord says, do not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus was there to please his father. (laughs) He was not there to tempt his father. So Jesus, uh, uh, the devil continues and says, on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It sounds really good. Jesus, if you are God, throw yourself down. The angels are going to be there. They're going to catch you with their hands. You won't even... You won't even stub your toe on a, on a stone, so to speak. And so Jesus was very, very quick to refute Scripture with Scripture. Do not tempt the Lord thy God. And so uh, Satan, just be on guard. Be on guard. Beware. He will, he will come with, with these types of tactics, these types of, of schemes to, to use Scripture against you in a way that can maybe manipulate you into a get, getting, uh, getting a hold of you and, and entering into, a, 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 into the temptation. Um. This past Monday, we, we had coffee with pastors, and it was a really sweet time. We got into Hebrews 1, and Hebrews 1, if you haven't been in Hebrews in a while, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 is talking about Jesus being uh, higher than the angels and, and being greater than the angels, because God in his foreknowledge knew that there would be cults out there that would uh, try to equate Jesus as an angel. So Mormons believe Jesus is the, the spirit brother of Lucifer. Um, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that he is uh, Michael the archangel. So Hebrews lays out a very clear uh, delineation and differentiation how Jesus is above the angels. But then when you get to Hebrews 1.14, it says, Are the angels, are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? It just ties in beautifully to verse 11. Uh, he will give angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And so we started entering into the sweet discussion about ways in which we believe the ministering spirits or these angels who have been put in charge over us have supernaturally protected us throughout our time. And I hope he doesn't mind, but uh, one of the brothers that was there this, uh, this past Monday, his name is Al Panala, he is a uh, former uh, police officer. And he was saying that he was in a high-speed chase up over 110 miles an hour on the 22 freeway. And the whole time, he said, debris flying. He's, he's praying the whole time for God's peace, his deliverance, his, just to get him out of the situation safely. Well, as the speed chase ends, uh, the suspect climbs out of the car and he starts to fire at the, at the police officers. He and his uh, pursuing officers... Bo- continued to return fire. It was a high-profile chase. It it was caught on uh, the the helicopter cam, if you will, on the news. And as they watched the footage back, Al didn't realize that on the other side of the suspect were more police officers, and they were actually cross-firing at one another. And he said there was absolutely no way he should not have been hit, struck, or killed by another bullet from the friendly fire, because they were literally shooting directly at each other while they were shooting at the suspect, unbeknownst to one another, because I think they were on a hill or a hillside. He said, there's no doubt in my mind that these ministering spirits, these angels that were in charge of me at that particular time, supernaturally delivered him. Al still has some work to do apparently on this earth before he's taken home, right? There's there's a sovereign reason God delivered him that day from not even having a, a scratch on him after that exchange. And so 
Notice they will bear you up in their hands that, they will, that, that you won't even so much as strike your foot on a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent, the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. Those both are references to, to our enemy. Uh, enemy is a lion. He prowls about like a roaring lion. The cobra, he's the serpent of old, right? He, he was the serpent of old in, in the garden. He's, he's, he's the serpent now. And so uh, you will tread upon him. You will have victory over the enemy. You will have uh, uh, that victory given that we have these angels in charge over us in, in, in these cases. And so spending time with the Lord, again, drawing us back into the nearness of God, loving his precepts, loving uh, the principle of, 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 of his commandments, um, knowing that those now bring me into to, to, to receiving his blessing and, and having these, these opportunities come my way. Um, it, it is such a, a different place to be when you are walking with the Lord versus not, being, uh, not, not having a relationship with the Lord. And finally, verse 14, the, the, the tone of the psalm shifts a bit. And all of a sudden, the psalmist now is quoting God in the first person. God starts to speak in the first person through the psalmist. And so you got to change your pronouns a little bit or else it might, make, it might not make as much sense. So verse 14 through 16, the psalmist is quoting God in the first person. Because he the believer, has loved me, God, therefore I, God, will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. In these verses, God restates in his own words um, what he spoke through the psalmist in verses 1 through 13. He restates and reiterates six promises all in the first person, all I will statements, predicated, again, off of verses 14 and 15, because he has loved me. And again, that word loved isn't the passionate love or the love that we, we, we think of um, in, in a sense of relationship. It's more about a devotion, a, a dedication, a desire to be obedient to God and, and to have righteousness uh, on this earth. I think most of us, when we watch the news or, or we're looking at the, the current events, we're longing and desiring righteousness. We're longing for uh, law and, and, and order to be, to be in place. We're longing for that, for that to be in place. And, and that's what he's, he's getting after. If you've loved me, in John 14, 21, it, it, Jesus describes it pretty well. I think it captures it. It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So it's speaking of if, if, you, love, if you love the Lord and his commandments, uh, his commandments are righteous, they're true, they're not there to keep us from, from good things, they're there to keep us away from the bad things, the pain, the suffering, and to keep us on, on, on in a close relationship with him that will allow the blessings to pour forth in his life. So he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So it's more about a deep longing and desire for God and his commandments versus kind of that passionate love that we sometimes ascribe to the word love. So so living a fulfilled and satisfied life means we receive and enjoy every spiritual blessing, as Paul said in, in Ephesians 1.3, every spiritual blessing we have in the heavenlies. Every spiritual blessing, every means all. Spiritual, it, it is a supernatural blessing, and the locality of, that, of those blessings are in the heavenlies. They're not earthly. 
Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll add all these earthly things to you. All these other, these, these earthly blessings, I'll add those to you. But seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And now the, the, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies will be yours in Christ. So these, these spiritual principles are all predicated on delighting and obeying God's word. As you draw near to him in those secrets, that, that your secret place, wherever that is. And I hope you have that secret place. I hope you have that place where in your home, you have it dedicated to where maybe it's your bedroom, maybe it's a prayer closet, maybe it's an office, maybe it's outside, you know, in your favorite sitting spot in your backyard, maybe it's at a park, wherever that secret place is where you can get alone with God and share your most intimate uh, fears and, 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 and challenges and, and things that you're not quite sure of. You can ask him the questions. You can, you can really just pour your heart out to him and, and, and praise him for who he is and get close to him, get in the shadow of the Almighty. That's where he will protect you. He says, I will deliver them. I will set him securely on high, which means I'll kind of put them out of reach. I don't know if you've ever had to, you know, put something out of reach from your children from time to time. You put it on high, right? That's, that's kind of the, the word picture there is I will, I will set him securely on high. I will put them out of reach. Um, he will answer you. He will be with you in a time of trouble. He will rescue you and honor you. And that, that rescue and honor speaks to, in my opinion, as I, as I looked at that verse and I kind of meditated on it, um, there might be times when you will be um, unjust, unjustly condemned. You might be in a, in a position where you're not guilty, but you might be uh, um, thought of as guilty. You might be thought of as doing something that you didn't. And so he's going to rescue you during that time and honor you at the, and, 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 and restore your honor. And he will give us abundant life. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. You know, hopefully most of us will get 80 85 years, 90 years, a nice long life where we can see our kids grow, we can see our grandkids, maybe even see our great-grandkids. We have this nice, long, full life, and during that time, we are, are, are fulfilling our calling and, and, and being obedient to God. And then we get to see his salvation. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. What a beautiful psalm in terms of what, what we're facing right now in this, in this current day and age. Psalm doesn't, 91 doesn't make us invincible. You know, it, we're not immune to adversity. Uh, we're not exempt from, from tough times. It's not what it's saying. Um, God in his sovereignty can supernaturally deliver us from perilous times with so much as, without so much as a scratch, as, as our brother Al uh, shared with us this past Monday. Um, we still might have a purpose and a calling to fulfill on this earth. God in his sovereignty can allow persecution, severe trials, and difficulty and, and bring us through that. God in his sovereignty can choose to bring us home, bring home a believer at an, uh, through an untimely death, you know, at a relatively young age. And in our minds, we feel that it's untimely and it's, they still had a lot more to give. But in God's sovereignty, he, he chooses to take that particular person because in his, in his mind, it was time. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I thought it was such a, an appropriate quote about this psalm. He says, it is impossible that any ill should happen to a man who is beloved of the Lord the most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and hasten him to his reward. Ill to him is no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honor. Death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled for good. So there's nothing that can really hasten <laughs> or, or bring about um, a, 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 an untimely death. 
when we get to when we are, are in the presence of the Lord, um, I think we're going to realize that we held on a little too tightly to what we had down here in, in this life and uh, on this earth. As believers, um, first uh, uh, first Peter. Um, Peter said in 1 Peter so, so beautifully, he says, as believers, we know that, that uh, we have an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven. We are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, we greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, we have to be distressed by various trials. So until the time we're called home or until the time Jesus comes and raptures us, dwell in that secret place, Delight in the law of the Lord. Delight in his, in his precepts. Abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Trust that while you are fulfilling your purpose for God's kingdom, Psalm 91 is yours. You, you, can, you can trust and take refuge in Psalm 91. Um, don't be fearful. You will not be afraid. Verse 5, I, 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 I'm going to continue to highlight that and, and remind myself, fear has no place in a believer's life. Fear will grip me, it will paralyze me, it won't allow me to, to have power, love, and a sound mind. I, I, I need to not be afraid. And, and, you know, man, through maybe doctors, great health care, a healthy diet, good nutrition, maybe a great exercise plan, those are all attempts to add years to our life, but only God can add life to our years. Let's pray. Father, we know that your sovereignty sometimes uh, is hard for us to, to fully comprehend and grasp. You've given us free will. You've given us a mind to think and to, to reason, to rationalize. Um, and at times, Lord, we come up with our own concepts and our own ideas. And we exalt those ideas above your sovereignty. And that's where we have this disconnect where we we trying to figure things out and we don't understand. And then we look for more answers in places that are empty and vain and of, of uh, futile thinking. Or we look to doctors, we look to politicians, we look to other experts. And we just, we get further confused. Help us to rest, Lord, in the shadow of the Almighty. Help us to draw close to you in that secret place and continue to hear from you, to continue to draw wisdom, understanding, but more importantly, just your peace. And Lord, as these trials that we encounter, these various trials, these, these afflictions that come our way, they're there to purify any impurities in our hearts to remove the dross to create perseverance and endurance in us to mature us so may we as, as a Christian who is never quite done may we continue to grow in you during those sweet times in the shadow of the almighty that we would continue to just fellowship with you and delight in your ways and, and Lord in, in this time would you just minister to your people as, as this next worship song plays, that they would get into that place, even though we're in a corporate setting, that they would get into that place with you that is under the shadow of the Almighty right now, the shadow of the cross.
and that you would speak to their hearts, you would comfort them, and that you remind them that if they still have work to do here on earth in the, in the mission and calling you've, you've put on their lives, they're yours. You are their refuge. That you want them in the protection of your wings. And may they take comfort in that tonight, Lord. Your face.
I want to invite those of you tonight that maybe need prayer, an extra measure of prayer, because you've been fearful. And that fear has kept you from realizing maybe your calling, your potential, your spiritual gifts, your ability to love, to have the power of God in your life, to reason and to think clearly. Is, Is there anybody out there that has had just extra measures of fear that we can pray for you, that we can ask God to cast it out and give you more love? Raise your hand. We can pray for you now. I'd like to cast out that fear that's gripping you and holding you back. See your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, we lift up our brothers and sisters to you now that have confessed that there's, there's fear in their life. And we know, Lord, that that is a natural reaction. But we have a supernatural God that we serve who's in control, who's sovereign, who sees the end from the beginning. As the last worship song said, you've been faithful in times past. We have your word to draw from to see how faithful you've been in the lives of the men and women of the Bible. We have the promises of your word, Lord. We have these ministering spirits that have been given charge over us to watch over us and protect us, to keep us even when we sleep. Lord, we might have fear and uncertainty because of the world events and the things that are going on. We might have fear and anxieties that are spiritual in nature, that the enemy is is oppressing us with his evil minions, continuing to to speak words into our minds and into our hearts that condemn us, keep us away from a closer relationship with you. We find find it difficult to get into your word, to get into prayer, to be in service and to be in fellowship. It's just a heavy spiritual oppression, Lord. It, It causes us fear and anxiety. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray against the spirit of fear. And we pray for your perfect love. The highest form of love, a love that seeks to bless, a love that seeks to give and give unconditionally. A love that we saw demonstrated on a cross that day on Calvary. The day that love conquered the world it conquered sin it conquered the death it conquered grave the grave we thank you lord jesus for that perfect love so lord just flood the hearts of your people with this love cast out the fear empower them lord restore their minds give them reason rationality concentration, the ability to 
to, to sift through the difficult situations of life and be completely 100% clear as to what decision to make, what path to embark upon. Lord, we thank you that you are the Almighty. It is in you who we put our trust. May we stay in the shadow of the Almighty the rest of this week, for the weeks to come. May we not get lured away, even when times are good. I confess, I have a tendency to drift when times are good. But oh man, when things start getting tough and I I realize that I've drifted away, I come running. Lord, help me just to stay close to you. and Just so close. Help us to stay at your feet constantly. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this sweet fellowship with you tonight. And we pray that you were glorified. Pray that the people that you've brought into this place, those watching online, were edified, built up. And we ask, Lord, that you would go before us the rest of this week. And if we run into some trouble, we run into some challenges and some tough times, we know that you're our refuge. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.